Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tech and Beer. Uh, we're live again today from the Celtic Corner in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And today we're going to be talking about technology in healthcare and how technology is impacting healthcare, changing healthcare, and a lot of fun things around that. And our guest today is Kelty Jameson. Welcome, Kelty. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, Kelty is the CIO of the Nova Scotia Health Authority and beer connoisseur. <laughs> yes. So she, Kelty is tech and beer, so we had to have her on the show. And yeah, so what's your background, Kelty? Oh, my background's kind of an interesting story. So uh, I had never planned necessarily to go into uh, tech or healthcare. Um, I started working at a doctor's office at a very young age, and uh, they implemented their first medical record, and no one in the office knew how to use it. Um, so I had had a computer growing up, and so I, I got involved in that, okay. uh, and sort of built from there. Wow. Um, so I moved into various positions, and then actually the vendor from that doctor's office for the software we used moved me to Alberta, and I did implementations all over North America, and then uh, went to Alberta Health Services. Awesome. So literally straight straight into healthcare and technology. I have a lot of people in my family that are in healthcare, so it sort of just felt like the natural place to be. Yeah. Um, I think I would say I work in healthcare, I don't work in IT. Right. Uh, technology is the secondary part, but uh, I don't have a clinical background. And it's, uh, it's inter as we discussed before, actually, it's uh, interesting you say that because it's uh, always important to have that business case understanding of your organization and how you apply technology. Yeah, so I would say my focus or my background is clinical informatics. Okay. So very much, you know, making sure that what we deliver works for the clinical folks, is understood, uh, we understand the impacts, and, and how do we get the most value clinically um, right. from what we deliver. So a little bit different probably than your typical, you know, I purchased this piece of software and yeah. everyone has to use it and we're all going to use it the same way. Like there's so many right. different variations in how folks in healthcare need to use software or technology to, to deliver patient care. So where does the beer connoisseur piece come in? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I've been working on that for a long time. Um, I, I think, when did it start? You know, when all the craft beer places started popping up and you started to learn that there yeah. was something more than Keith's out there in Olin's um, and all the different <laughs> types and the styles and the hops, um, I planted hops at my cottage this summer for the first time. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, I'm growing a hop farm. And you're going to brew your own? No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> um, my brother-in-law brews beer. I'll give him some. Okay. I've thought about maybe, you know, exchanging the hops for beer with some places if they go well. That sounds like a good deal. Yeah, they yeah. say it's about two to three years to really get a, an excellent crop, though. It's perennial. Okay. Interesting. So what are we drinking today? You chose this uh, propeller. Propeller. It's California Common. It's relatively new in the last few months. Mm. Uh, it's a delicious semi-blonde sort of brew with a hint of what I'd say a red and a, and a punch of hops. Right, definitely, it's definitely got a bit of a punch and really interesting color to it as well. It's yeah, it, it, like, it, there's nothing else I've had quite like it. No, it's delicious, yeah. So, on the show we, t we talk about different areas of, and how technology changes the areas and impacts them and affects the future. Healthcare is obviously a very interesting and important topic because it impacts everybody and there's lots of factors at play. So what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in your career so far? So the implementation of electronic medical records in all kinds of different forms. So basically digitizing paper information, right. uh, step one. Um, and sometimes that's very useful information. Sometimes it's 
a copy of a picture of something that was handwritten. Yeah. So there's lots of, uh, of variations on that. And so you kind of have this data and, and depending on your setting, um, some areas I, I would say are further ahead than others. Um, yeah community versus hospital, et cetera. But I would say we're hitting a tipping point now in Canada where lots of them are being refreshed. So if you look at different provinces, there's lots of the new vendor in town, someone's bought, there's consolidation. Yeah. And, and we've kind of hit this point where the systems have taken us to a certain point. Yeah. And now it is, let's refresh those systems. And what did we learn from the last 15 years? Yeah. Um, which is you need to be able to get the data out. Right. Um, and we, I don't think we had that before, yeah. but uh, with that comes the ability to do machine learning, AI, you know, blockchain, yeah. lots of really neat technologies that sort of go beyond what we deliver in, you know, direct patient care. Right. So you mentioned in the past we weren't able to get the data out. What kind of data would we be looking at getting out? So it, it, it does vary depending on the system and how it was used. Yeah. But I would say a lot more text blobs, a lot more narrative um, yeah. was probably captured and definitely scanning. Um, okay. Scan document, great from a historical perspective. And I want to see what happened. It's not going to drive you know, data value uh, to be able to do it. And yeah. I would say there's probably some machine learning starting now that says, um, it can interpret the handwriting, yeah. Um, but handwriting on a fax. Do you remember those nice shiny fax machines yeah. with that weird paper, <laughs> like receipt paper, that, that are all blank now? Yeah. Like they they only hold the color for so long. Just smears off. Yeah. So you know we have probably not as much data in that right. respect in Canada, probably parts around the world. So do you think that's that's data that would directly impact like the healthcare experience for patients? I mean, everyone knows that a patient that goes into a place and has to repeat their histories, allergies, et cetera, yeah. over and over again, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and so connected systems across multiple care domains is the way to kind of, mm -hmm. whether it's shared data or a single system, um, there is still lots of repetitive and siloed information. Yeah. And it is interesting because when you look at the private commercial business space, there's lots of businesses that have evolved very fast from a technological perspective and you could, they can share information like instantaneously but the healthcare sector where it's you know regulated and a little slower to adopt new technologies sometimes hasn't quite kept up with that and maybe rightly so. I, I think there's a few factors um, if you think about banking so that's a prime example pretty sensitive information lots of technology that you know who goes to a teller anymore Right. On the other hand, how often does the Royal Bank share their information with the Bank of Montreal? Yeah. So not a lot. Yeah. So if you're all in the Royal Bank, great. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as you want to move to the Bank of Montreal, so if you think about the Canadian right. healthcare system, which is provincially or even district-based mm. um, in a lot of provinces, okay, well now we have this situation where you know one's not necessarily easily sharing with another. Yeah. Um, the other part I would say is that there is a higher expectation, and, and rightfully so, of technology in healthcare yeah. um, because of what can come. You know, I, I think everyone would say finance or, or online banking, it's a no-brainer, we all do it, no one worries about it, Yeah. until something bad happens. Right. And it's also very specific information. Yeah. Like when I say a debit and a credit, no one in the world will question what that means. Right. If I say reason for visit, what does that mean? Right. 
is it one word? Is it a narrative? Is it a drop-down list? How do yeah. I know what goes in the drop-down list? Like, there's so much about the whole clinical encounter that isn't specific to a transaction. Yeah. Um, and transactional systems like finance systems do better. Mm. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's not insurmountable, but I think there's a number of things that kind of restrict us from being as robust as we could be. So when you look at what's coming down the road, what excites you the most? What's the most interesting technology or use of technology? So I think being able to share information is going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and absolutely impact how we deliver patient care at the bedside. So there are places uh, in Canada and across the world where they can actually look at your lab results for the last 24 hours in the hospital. Right. Um, look at your vital signs and say, you're deteriorating. I'm going to actually start you on medication before you become septic. Yeah. About 24 hours before a human could pick it up in the data. Wow. So there's some really significant like frontline patient care impacts that can happen. Yeah. Um, the low-hanging fruit and the things that we need to start going around is when we tie all these data sets together right. and start to see what we're finding in patterns and, and, and machine learning and AI mm. and, and those sorts of things. It's, it's absolutely the future. And, and who are like some of the big players that are exploring these things now? Like, uh... I almost everyone is doing something. Okay. Um, all the big, you know, all the big companies I would say are IBM, Microsoft. Like they're all yeah. doing lots of AI stuff. From um, health system perspective, I would say most academic tertiary, so acute care centers okay. that have, especially with an academic mandate attached to a university and, and things like that are starting to look at what they can find. Yeah. Um, the biggest hurdle is who do you share your data with and how comfortable right. are you to share it? Yeah. So AI and, and things like that rely on large amounts of data to build models, which then learn over time. Yeah. Someone has to give them the data. Yeah. So it's all about now partnership agreements, what we learn, who owns mm. the IP. You know, there's lots of nuances there. So as a patient, when I, you have, as the health authority has my patient records and my medical records, do I own that as a patient or do you own that as the health authority? It's an excellent question. Um, and it's pretty much the same across Canada. Um, the patient ultimately is the owner of their own information. Okay. They have a custodian who yeah. would be their family physician, the health authority, et cetera. Okay. Um, so there's, there's different roles in that and, and the, the provincial uh, privacy legislation governs it. Um, Nova Scotia and BC are very similar. Uh, the rest of the province are nuances of it, but you know, essentially that's the same thing. So you can always request your information and it yeah. is required to be given to you. Yeah. Um, but as far as who's the care and feeder and safe keeper of it, um, it would be the custodian. So when it comes to leveraging some of these like AI, machine learning, sharing of information, what rights do I have as a patient? <laughs> um, so I'm not a privacy expert. So no, no, absolutely. You're kind of putting me on the spot. I'm sorry. Um, I think it gets into, though, de-identified data versus identified. So mm. de-identified data and what we do with that is very different. Okay. Um, and, and what you would do. That makes sense. Or who you would give it to. So there is absolutely consent laws about, you know, who yeah. can do things with your data without you knowing. Mm. Um, interestingly, there was a study out of uh, the UK last week that said, Patients were asked how comfortable they were to give their data for research and, mm. you know, learning and things. And they were actually really comfortable. Yeah. Um, but they want to be asked. Right. 
everyone likes the option to say no, even if they want to go along with but it. But from a technology perspective yeah. in general, if you look at the European legislation on privacy and like the idea of I want to be forgotten, yeah. I mean, that's a tricky piece of legislation. Well, that's why you got me thinking there for a second, because yeah, the GDPR that's just yeah. come into effect um, has huge ramifications. All around it, the world. And because it, it affects everybody that's a European citizen has the right. Everyone that uses a piece of software is a European citizen. Yeah. So if you log into Hotmail, and I'm a European citizen. So even though I'm not in Europe, wow. that actually has some impact on me if I wanted to leverage it. So it's kind of complicated because I live in Canada. Um, but then in, health, in the healthcare space, you think of, okay, you're gonna take all my vital statistics and my blood pressure and whatever medical information you want and share it with a machine and that's gonna, you know what I mean? So it's, there's just questions there. So it's kind of interesting. And it's not, I think the thing with doing the like big data and the machine learning is it's absolutely not ever about one person's data because right. it has no value that way. It's true. It's about massive quantities of patterns. Right. And so would you care then? Would you have the same feeling when it's like, I'm not identifiable, no one cares. Yeah. And if that was a way of making healthcare yeah. more affordable, finding treatments, you know, delivering things like that, like Makes who would actually say no? Yeah. Um, I always find it funny when people say like, you know, privacy legislation, and I mean, I absolutely believe privacy legislation is the way to go. But in a healthcare setting, there's also things like I'm in the eMERGE and I'm sitting next to a person, you know, who's giving their whole life history. Um, in an emergent situation, sometimes yeah. you just do what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, you're in that situation, you I just want to... You want to be better. I just want to be better. I want to be alive, right? So yep. I want to get through this. So yeah, it makes sense. So, from your perspective, what can you tell us about what uh, you guys are doing at the Nova Scotia Health Authority from a technological perspective? Um, so, we Some are, of the fun stuff. We're relatively new, really. Like, if you think about the Health Authority forming and everything sort of coming together. Um, so, there's been a lot of foundational work to kind of get started. Um, something that no one thinks is super exciting, but I do, <laughs> is... Uh, uh, our interface engines which run all of our messages between our systems so we are consolidating and redoing that um, and that's been a behind the scenes very exciting project yeah um, because it does start to consolidate how we do things and and things like that uh, otherwise you know the, with the QE2 redevelopment uh, yeah. going on what are we doing from a technology for that point what's sort of the common way of building hospitals what kind of technologies would we like to embed yeah. Um, and modernizing some of our systems. So, for example, um, what we used to call nurse call, so you hit the button and someone came, yeah. was run by a wire, you know, a button, a wire to the nursing station. Okay. Um, largely very unit specific. And I mean, that's been replaced with an IT system, which is almost more like hospital communications. Okay. You know, it, it starts to use uh, smartphones and devices and alarming. And you can say, I want a glass of water versus I, I need to see the nurse. Wow. Um, which is, you know, quite yeah. a change again when you think about the transformation clinically, if you can start to triage the types of inform yeah. information and who it goes to. That's not really a wow, it's a really a Why makes do you, sense. Yeah. Why won't, what, we couldn't do that already? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so that's been one of the big initiatives that we've been working on, sort of replacing okay. as we go across the province and as units are being redeveloped and, and things like that. So you mentioned also earlier, we were talking about um, a little bit about startups before the show and how startups often have you know, great ideas and 
uh, great areas they want to explore. How do you work with startups today? Do you work with startups today? No, we absolutely do. Um, we, we totally do. Um, but I think there's always that balance between what's the expectation of the startup, what's the expectation of the clinical group wanting yeah. to use the software, and what's the long-term plan. Um, and if, if, if we go into it understanding like this is a pilot, we're going to evaluate where is it going to go, great. But again, we still need to make sure that it has some minimum auditing. Like we, we are governed by privacy legislation and things like that. Mm. So a system has to be able to do, especially if it has patient information. If it doesn't, much simpler. Right. Um, but if it, it does stuff with patient information, there's a whole mess of things we need to be cautious of. Now, if patient information is non-identifiable, do they have access to that to use it easier or? I don't think so. No. Um, that would, again, take a whole bunch of right. agreements and things like that. It's not like there's an open yeah. uh, door for, for those sorts of things. But if someone came in and said, I wanted to do some sort of tracking for a widget, I mean, I'm okay. making this up, and it has no patient information in it, and it's going to solve a problem in the hospital to move people around and find out where they're going, like a, yeah. maybe patient uh, navigation, because hospitals are confusing. Right. That's a much easier implementation than... I want to have patient information that I store and I do something with and things like that. Mm. Like, you know, that requires a login. It requires role-based yeah. security. We can only give you as much information as your role has. You know, and it's just working through how do you cycle into those, those yeah. pilots and information. And, and then what do you do at the end? Right. So if it's really, really great application, um, at the end, sometimes it needs to be beefed up to become something that you could scale. Right. Um, you know, maybe it has a local install. Well, you know, we have a lot of computers. Local yeah. installs are really tricky. Um, if, it can, if I can't push it out, if I can't update yeah. it. So, you know, but then you have to go back to these people who become dependent on, on something. Right. And say, you know, I know you love this for the last six months. We were just testing it. But now it. we're going to turn it yeah. off. Um, <laughs> it didn't really work. And it, and it, it, well, or it worked really well, and I'm really sorry, but, like, I can't deploy yeah. it or I can't sustain this model long-term, who's gonna maintain it? Yeah. So it's, it's always trying to figure out the right place to put the apps and who to work with and make sure everyone understands, you know, what do we do? There's a chance it might not work at all. Like, I mean, yeah. we have things that go in, you know, under the guise of a, a pilot. And, right. you know, at the end you go, hmm, I think we need to take this away and yeah. think about this approach. Interesting. And Nova Scotia, uh, right now, from what I understand, that whole one patient, one record, sharing the documents across all the locations, like how, how far out are we from that? Uh, I, know, I know it's an ongoing kind it's, of... We're in active procurement, so there's yeah. not lots I can say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we are actively in the process of procuring that system. But once you procure one, like what would be the timeline for, how long does it, approximately, to install that The market would say it's often 18 months Okay. from contract signing to go live, yeah. give or take how you plan to implement it. So realistically, it's probably 36 months. <laughs> um, so Mackenzie Health, which would okay. be just outside of Toronto, big hospital, uh, did 15 months. Oh, wow. Okay. Alberta Health Services is going live, and they're planning about 18 to 20 months. Yeah. So I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but there is nuances. How big are you going? How are you doing it? Every IT um, project's a bit like you know, that, right? So at this point, it, it's a very gray bucket. Yeah. But there's lots of work to do to prepare. So from a project perspective, you know, we are going to be starting to actively work on it, regardless of where procurement is. Yeah. Um, What's yeah. the biggest technological challenge to doing a project like that? 
I don't think it's any different. It's the people. Mm. <laughs> the technology is the easy part. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's the change management. I mean, you're going to tell a lot of people that they have to right. potentially do something differently. I mean, imagine every time an iOS app updates and yeah. you go, why do I have to do it this way now? And, you know, now I have to explain it to a whole bunch of yeah. people who may or may not be really comfortable with technology. Um, if you've only ever charted on paper, or written handwritten letters, and now I have to tell you you have to do it all electronically. I mean, it's a huge change. Right. Um, so yeah, like there's lots of pre-work to uh, get going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that makes total sense. I mean, the I've worked on a number of ERP projects mm -hmm. in the past, and uh, it's when you're changing processes, and or even if you're not really changing the process, but automating part of it and changing how people interact with the process, um, the people are definitely a, a big challenge, and it's uh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I think it's easier than. It probably was 10 years ago. Um, I remember teaching yeah. people how to use a mouse, Yeah. Um, which was always interesting. They always wanted to use it with their left hand if they were left-handed. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, I don't even know how to explain how to do this, like a rope yeah. mic's clicks. <laughs> interesting. So outside of the hospital setting, what do you see uh, from a changing perspective that would impact the, uh, a patient in healthcare? Uh, home technologies, wearables, home apps. Yeah. I think like there's over a million healthcare apps in the Apple iStore. Over a million? Over a million. Wow. I mean, I knew there was a lot, but a million? No, it's, it's insane. Um, how, does, how does one app even get noticed above another one? Like that's, I mean, I know there was, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, there's good ones, there's bad ones, there's yeah. reviews, there's free, there's not free. Yeah. Um, but the ability for patients to sort of be more involved in how they you know, monitor themselves. Um, a physician told me the other day that they had a patient who's quite, you know, probably 70-ish. Their husband had just had heart surgery and he was having faint spells. Okay. And so when they came in together, she said, I noticed he was having these faint spells, so I got him to wear my Fitbit. And I can tell you on this graph that every time he <laughs> felt faint, his heart rate dropped. And it's like, wow, like if yeah. you can, you're a layperson, no medical background, and you can start to make these correlations. Yeah. You know, that, that's a game changer in how you in interact with your care. And I think, you know, when you look at some of the challenges Canada faces as a whole with rural communities and lack of doctors in those communities, technology can really help those communities. I've even talked about it before from a perspective of how technology can help those communities flourish because you can work from anywhere, but you can also live and get healthcare from anywhere if you can do it in the home. Provided you have internet access. Providing you have access. You've got to be connected. I mean, cellular's getting better, but you need to have the connection. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was telling you, there's a, a pilot project that just occurred in the U.S. Mm. where patients actually, they ran an inpatient unit from your house. Right. And so the patient had technology that reported back to the hospital. The people from the hospital visited once a day. They had to be yeah. within a certain radius. But those yeah. patients, uh, you know, came out with better outcomes, not, you know, eating their regular food. They didn't have to adapt. They were getting up and out of yeah. bed. And so, you know, kind of a win-win, not for everyone. No. But in the situations where people could be set up that way and want to, that's a huge thing. Makes total sense. I mean, uh, eventually doctors could be just, doctors and nurses could be just driving around in cars all day. Oh, next stop over here, next stop over here. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, the, the cost in the infrastructure would make uh, make some sense there. So, interesting. Well, um, 
Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you want to tell us about before we wrap up here? It's, uh, there's a lot of different topics and we could go down probably all oh, of them and spend a long time chatting. Absolutely. But. No, I, I think, you know, healthcare is, is a very emotional thing. We all need right. it. We all kind of understand it. Um, and there's lots of, you know, really neat change that can happen, but technology supports it. It's all about where is the patient, where is the clinician, and how do we drive better patient care? And, yeah. and the technology is, you know, we're, we're kind of a behind-the-scenes lead yeah. in, in that, those initiatives. And overall, it's, it's obviously going in the right direction. It's making some impactful yeah. changes. Absolutely. I mean, it's a complex, healthcare is complex. So right. nothing is solved without a bit of trial and error and, like, let's see yeah. where we go. Um, and change always takes time. And change takes time. Even in the simplest of organizations, let alone uh, you know, the healthcare industry. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank it's, you. It's been great. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and watching this episode. Check us out. Uh, we've got a Facebook group, group now, uh, Tech and Beer, and we've got a LinkedIn group. So make sure you follow us and keep your eyes open for the next episode. Thanks very much. <laughs>